Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. It's Owner Stories Day today. If you haven't been here before, Owner Stories is the episode where I chat to other Porsche owners around the world, uh, be it 911s, Caymans, Boxsters, 944s, whatever variant of Porsche uh, you guys have. We're happy to have you on Owner Stories. Uh, today we're up to today we're up to number sixty five. Number 65, and very, very shortly, and I say very, very shortly, as you know, I always start these with a few minutes before I have to connect by Zoom. Zoom is how we do all of these episodes. Um, I'm going to be chatting with uh, Blair. Blair's coming in from Salt Lake City. I think, and I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure I've only had one other owner from Salt Lake City, and that would be... uh, Probably number six or number seven, way back, uh, and I think that was Connor from Salt Lake City, and Connor had a 997.2 Cabriolet. Um, yeah, he had a Cabriolet. So that's uh, that. That was the other owner from Salt Lake City. Today, I'm going to be joined by Blair. Good to see hear Blair's story. Uh, Blair's got a car. He's got a Porsche that we haven't had on owner stories before. So I'll be interested to hear uh, all about Blair's uh, Blair's Porsche. You know what it is. You saw it in the title, so it's pretty exciting. Anyway, let me stop talking. Let me, uh, I've got five minutes to connect here. So let me get uh, Blair on Zoom from Salt Lake City and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. As I said in the intro, this is number 65 and it's a special one today because it's uh, Blair's going to be joining me. He's here now. I'm going to introduce him in a second. And as you would have seen in the title, Blair's got a, a Porsche that we haven't had on Owner Stories before. So I'm interested to know more about, about his car because it's a very cool one and something, like I said, we all uh, we all want one, I think. A lot of people want one. I've, I've spoken to a lot of other owners and they always sort of, it's always on their list. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like you to welcome Blair to the podcast. Blair's coming in from Salt Lake City in the US. Good evening, Blair. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. And as I said, sorry for uh, the, the two-hour delay in, in getting you on. I was a bit late today to get back to the podcast, but um, thanks for being here. No problem. So, Blair, we had a bit of a chat before we started recording. There's parts of your story that I, that I don't know. We're going to get into all of that. Other cars that I haven't, that you didn't tell me about in, in your DM to me. But before we get into that, let's get straight into the story because I know you've got a lot to talk about. Let's get straight into the story and let's start talking about where Porsche all began for you. Um, and as I've always said in previous episodes, for me, it was a bit later in life. I do remember seeing them as a kid, but it happened to me much later in life. So how did you start first noticing Porsche? Did you have any neighbors uh, in Salt Lake that had them? Did you have any relatives or friends that owned them? When did you start first noticing Porsche and thinking, maybe one day I want one of those? You know, it's a good question. And, you know, to be honest, I don't remember exactly. I remember as a kid, <laughs> like like many kids, sounds like yourself, you know, I took an interest in cars and ha- had a few of the, you know, the dream cars in my mind. I remember some of the supercars that existed the lamborghini diablos and the ferrari testarossas i was a product of the 80s 90s you know but so so i remember being just kind of enamored by moving objects engine sound going quickly you know even up to big diesel trucks but it was it, it wasn't until i think as i as i think back at the first porsche memories that stick out in my mind i was 19 and i actually moved over to germany okay. for two years to to munich and you know i i have these very vivid memories a couple of them actually stick in my mind Num- number one is walking around some of the german towns 
cobblestone street, very fairy tale kind of existence, especially for Americans, very different than what we're used to. And I would hear this howling flat six, you know, of a, <laughs> and, and, and I thought now what, what a dichotomy of, you know, old, old world charm. And then you get this sound. And I remember, obviously I knew what Porsche was and it's an aspirational brand and the 911. And so I, I, I just recall hearing the sound and then I became fixated on Carrera, Carrera S. I would see the 4S, you know, the S was in an offset color, wide hips. But I, I always remember thinking that is such a distinct sound of those cars. That was one of them. And then the, I think the thing that really cemented my, you know, my, my enthusiasm and, and interest in the brand was one day we, I was living in Austria, actually, and we had to go from uh, Innsbruck, Austria, up to Salzburg, Austria. Right. And it, the, the best way to get up there is to go through southern Germany. And so I was in the back seat of a car and we were, we, we got, we merged onto the German Autobahn. It was a de-restricted <laughs> area at the time. And I'll never, and this was the year 2000 and it would have been late 2002. So right. we're in 996 territory, but my, if my memory served me correctly, there was an air cooled car with a big whale tail on the back. And it was, I don't know exactly what the model was, but I remember it was like a dark purple color. We merged onto the interstate, the Autobahn, going probably 95 miles an hour, whatever kilometers that equates to. And this air-cooled Porsche screamed by us, going so fast in the left lane. I'll never forget the sight and the sound, particularly, of that car. And I got goosebumps, you know, thinking... yeah my goodness, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So, you know, from, from, from there, I, I then also, so I came home and I was 21 back to the States. I started college, um, you know, just, just plugging away. And then because I learned German in that two year window, I got an internship over working for BMW in Munich. Oh, right. And in their financial services group. So, and so I was there for six months in the car world to some extent over in Munich. Wow. Fantastic. And, you know, my, my love was even more so kind of, uh, uh, built upon if you will. And that, that's, that's where the aspiration for German cars. And if I could ever get there, Porsches really became a thing for me. So it's really, it's really cementing that love of German cars, isn't it? It's really, uh, you know, it's putting it in the front of your mind. And also the fact when you, and, and you know, being in Munich and some of those back streets, like when you see a Porsche or whatever in, in Europe, it always looks, I don't know what it is, it always seems to look so much better than it does in, <laughs> than it does in the US or even in Middle East where the, where the roads are like freeways everywhere. It's something about, like you said, the historic streets and seeing the 911. Um, I remember seeing the, one of the first 992s I saw a couple of years ago was in Porto, in Portugal, going across the bridge mm. in Porto. And it just looked, you know, it just looked so much better than I'd seen in all the photos. You know, it was the first one I'd actually seen in real life and it just looked fantastic. Um, and I think that's what Europe is really cool about. So that's pretty good. You lived in Germany. You're in the car culture. You know, you said you work for BMW. How did that form your, your, your car buying in the years to come then? So, you, you know, you worked in Germany. You come back to the U.S., do you, Blair? You come back to the U.S. and then you start, yeah, yeah. You start looking at the first memorable car. So what, what was the first one that came along? Well, it's, 
you know, I was in, in Germany the second time working for BMW the summer of 2006. Um, and you know, that that's the last year they built the E46 M3. So, you, you know, I, I, I kind of, Porsche at the time, you know, we're all broke college kids thinking we'll never be able to afford a, <laughs> a, a yeah. family car, let alone a, you know, a, a, a halo or aspirational type vehicle. But I thought, you know, one day maybe the E46 M3 is, is attainable. You know, if I can ever get my life together and figure out what I want to do and be and, and, and earn a, earn a living. So to me, that was, that was the first, the first goal, the first dream, if you will. Did you, when you worked for BMW in Germany, did you have a car when you worked for BMW? Did you, did you, did they give you a company car or not? No. No, but what they did do was that they had a rental program for all employees. Okay. So you could, you could rent these cars very, uh, very cheaply actually. So I was there for six months. I was married at the time. My wife and I came for a couple of those six months and man, we had, we had a great time renting these cars and i got a sampling of a bunch mostly diesel yeah you know, which which is very popular over there but i got a sampling of some some at, at the time just phenomenal cars 330 ci convertible and e46 uh the e i think at the tail end the e90 330 yep. if i recall you know i had one of those and crisscrossed my way through northern germany you know to visit a friend and so yeah, my wife and I we would we would rent these cars when she was there and, and uh, get them for very cheap. Our budget, you know, as an intern, I could afford it. Yeah, and, and and we went all over the place. It was it was so awesome. Fantastic. Okay, so you're in the U.S. So what is what is that first memorable car? Then you know you've got your eyes on that M3. You know it's 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 a great car. Is that the one that comes along first? Do you start trying to find one of those at the right price? Well, yeah. It, it, what is it's that fun. first car that? What is the the first car that you? The, sorry, Blair. The first car that you yeah. almost regret selling as well. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I came home. I got my you know my life together, my career. But you know, one thing is, I, I always liked cars, but my life was dominated by golf. Actually, I played a lot of golf. Any free moment I had, I was always thinking about golf. So. While I loved cars going back to the time I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of space extracurricularly for another hobby, you know, or passion, if you will. So, and at the same time, I've always been a pretty frugal guy. So the thought of spending the kind of money on these cars just was never, never seemed like a reality for me. And so it wasn't until fast forward, you know, many years and we, we bought our home and we, we were setting up our life and had three kids at this point. I, I developed some bizarre kind of back hip problem that largely kind of, you know, t- took golf away from me to, to a large extent. Uh-huh. And so when I, when I realized, okay, the thing that I spent most of my time when I wasn't at work or with my family thinking about or pursuing is no longer available to me said i gotta have another outlet and you know so i told my wife i was depressed one night and i thought you know what i'm going to buy an m3 so that that was where this disease frankly and it's morphed into a serious disease i've got um 
it, it, it really kind of, you know, took hold in, in me. So I, I set out and the E46 M3 was the car. And I said, okay, I'm going to buy one of these. I'm going to own it. Um, and of course, at the time, I knew I wanted a manual transmission car. And, uh, you know, they... they uh, are they yeah, easy ahead. to... Are there a lot available in, in the US, the manuals? Because I know in Australia, there's not... It's half and half, I think, at the time. A lot of people were buying the SMG, weren't they? They weren't buying the manual. I think half and half feels about right. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, you always find that perfect car and then you you click on the link and it's got the stubby SMG, you know, sh- shifter in it. And you were, I remember being discouraged thinking, I, I've just got to get it lined up with, with what I want. And, and I, I quickly learned that the coupes were going for a lot more money. Even at the time, this was... Oh man, this was probably six, seven years ago. Right. Um, but you, you know, they seem to have bottomed out and, and, it, and it was clear value wise that, you know, they, they could still be had for a pretty good deal, but the coupes were commanding a lot more money and more than I wanted to spend. And keep in mind, I'm a frugal guy now venturing into the world of Vanos and subframe you know, subframe cracks and, and yes. rod bearings and, yes. and, and research the heck out of these things. In fact, I think the first time I, I, I was introduced to you unbeknownst to me years later was you talking about the IMS bearing right. in a YouTube video. And oh, okay. so when I found your podcast, I thought, I think I might know this guy. And sure enough, <laughs> I had seen that video you had done about that IMS. Right. So, so I, I basically said, okay, I'm going to get a convertible. I want this to be fun. And frankly, it was a lot less expensive than getting a coupe. So I did find one. Um, I'm trying to think of how, how I found that one. I think it might have – it was one of the, the car sites. But I found a guy selling a, a 2005 post-facelift car. Okay. You, you know, um, 2005 – titanium silver convertible with a manual transmission black interior um sat about 70 some odd thousand miles that's not bad that's reasonably low that's a good year though isn't it isn't it the 2004.5 onwards is supposed to be the better years to look at isn't it isn't that how it works yeah 2003.5 um is it so so yeah three so i was kind of just sticking to four five and six because 2003 and a half is when they you know, do you think though? Do you think that M three, the E thirty nine M three? You think it has more issues than the well issues? I'll put in the inverted commas issues that the nine nine six and nine nine seven have with the IMS and the RMS and stuff. Do you think the M three has more issues? Because I don't know much about the mechanical side of what goes wrong with it. I know I like them, and I know what you know. The manual yeah. one is fantastic. Does it have a lot more issues? You think than the Porsches? Well. You know, to, to, to my knowledge, the uh, there's a couple of spooky ones with IMS and bore scoring on 996, 997. Yeah. It, there are a few spooky ones with uh, with E46 M3s. Rod bearings are one of them. You know, even though, frankly, it was, I think, largely overblown. You know, that, that right. seemed to plague the S65 motor and the V8 E90, E92 M3 that came afterwards. Um but that and then subframe cracks and, you know, your Vanos. But yep. the thing about the M3 that you, you can mitigate and hedge your risk, you know, fairly well with those. You know, a, an oil analysis, if, if you stay on top of those, does detect 
a lot of the, um, you know, the, the metal content. So you, you know, in the oil, so you can see when rod bearings are showing signs of wear or wearing out subframe cracks. You just need to know to look for, you know, have a, an inspection done or look for it or, and, and then the vanos, you can actually, you know, it'll start to tick. So it, it, if it does go South, but you can replace that, you know, rebuild the vanos for a, a reasonable cost as well. So, okay. and so that, that being said, I think it's similar. There's just a couple of things to watch out for, but, but the E46 M3, I've since learned having owned two of them now, actually, that, um, you know, that you, you can, you can mitigate it. Right. So you found this car it was in Salt Lake city it was local. The first one. No, this was actually in Denver. So I found a guy who was his daily driver, his only car, um, and, you know, when, when you're buying a car, he was a really easy guy to work with, you know, very right. responsive, but, you know, very enthusiastic and uh, about his car, the brand uh, made it easy for me to get information. And so he was in Denver, actually. Okay. So you bought that car. How long did you have that car for, Blair? <clears throat> I had it for two years. I, okay. um, Quite a time. I, yeah, two years, um, flew over there, drove it home, phenomenal drive home, also a little scared, you know, something was going <laughs> to blow up. This was, this was a big adventure for me back then. So, but it, it was a great two years, although I babied it way more than I should have. And this has since influenced my, you know, my, my uh, decision-making and, you know, kind of in- interest in cars is how much I babied that. And I wish I wouldn't have. Yeah, it's hard not to sometimes, but it seems like that there's a tr- there seems to be a trend with Porsche owners that a lot of them, a lot of people who've been on owner stories and other people I talk to have owned um, BMWs before. You know the German car thing more so than Audis actually. A lot of people have owned the M3s or the M5s or whatever. So there is that progression where we go into that that BMW M Sport sort of range first, and then we move into into Porsches. So that car was pretty reliable. It must have been. It must have been a, a car that made a bit of an impact on you because you said you've had another one. Did you buy the next one straight after that one, or was that come much well, later? Well, it's funny. So I two years was coming, and at the time, I thought, well, this is great. Hard not to be great when you're only putting a couple thousand miles a year on it. Um, you know, didn't didn't have any problems. So, but at that point, I was ready for a new experience, like we like we do. Yeah. Um, and. So, so I had to think long and hard. In fact, that that's where I started to think Porsche, frankly. Um, okay. So at that point I drove a bunch of stuff. I, I drove a 997 Carrera S. It was a, it, it was an 06, 06 through eight. I do know that much. Um, the dot one, yep. um, liked it. And then I drove a, a dot two, a 2009 base Carrera, both manual cars. Okay. And then I really got, uh, kind of uh, hot on the 993. So, and and I had a beat on one in Los Angeles, and I was about to pull the trigger on that car. But ultimately, you know, I thought, you know what? I kind of dipped my toe in the water on the E46 M3. It's the car I first fell in love with, if you will. You know, back in my my Germany days, that was just the aspirational car for me. I, I said, well, for the money, I could have all these other cars. Why don't I go get the, more or less, to me, E46 M3 coupe, okay. manual, the color I want, 
you know, low, low miles, your money goes a lot further in BMW world, you know, at least yeah. initially than it does Porsche. So that's the decision I made to get another E46 M3. So that was the deciding factor. That was why you didn't go ahead with the 993, basically just the price, because the, the 993 obviously would have been probably, I don't know, double. I don't even know how much the prices would have been at that time. Well, it was less than they are today. So <laughs> I was going to get I, onto I remember, that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this this was a 993, a 95 car. Right. Um, Good year. Pre-Vario Ram. Yeah, it was guards red. Had I remember 90,000 miles. I really thought I was going to buy this car. Um, but I got a little spooked thinking, well, I'm probably going to get this car and need a $15,000 top-end rebuild. Right. And just had that stuck in my mind. And I thought, so what I did actually was once I started to think about E46 M3s, I'm, I, I love, I love color. I, at that point I wanted to get a fun color, Laguna Seca blue oh, or, nice color. you yeah. know, Amola red or believe it or not, Phoenix yellow. And that's the car I ended up buying on oh, okay. the trailer, actually a Phoenix yellow coupe. That was the launch color, wasn't it? Phoenix yellow. It was, was that, yeah. That was the launch color of that car. Yeah, that's that's I I like that color. It's like that. It's a bit like the uh, Merc in the AMG T. That sort of sunbeam or whatever that color is. They have that that yeah. yellowy orange color. So now you've got the experience of a second M3. You've got you've had the you've had the convertible, the Cabriolet. Now you're in the coupe. Which one did you prefer? Well, it, it's funny. I you you do notice the difference driving a, a coupe, especially if you're driving it you know hard. They are more rigid. Um, they're lighter as well. Right. And this car only had 20,000 miles on it when I bought wow. it on, uh, bring a trailer and it was on the East coast. So okay. I bought it, put it in an enclosed trailer right around the new year, shipped it out. And it had been sitting for a little while, you know, the, pr the prior owner had some health trouble. And so I, I liked so much about the coupe, but there's a lot to be said for a car that's daily driven and looked after every day and so and there were a couple of light mods on the coupe as well so yeah I, I prefer the coupe however my 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 titanium silver was convertible was a little more sorted i think so you think the ones with more mileage are actually a little bit better because the, because the cabriolet the convertible had more mileage it's slightly more reliable yeah to be to be honest i see these old cars with such low miles and, and yeah. it doesn't I don't, I think I would approach one of those again with some more trepidation than, okay. than I see others seemingly, you know, doing, but. But did you pay, was that when uh, the bring a trailer tax, is that when the prices were high and you paid a premium for that M3 because of the low mileage or was it just well, before it all started going crazy? I, I paid pretty good <laughs> money for the car, but it was also before it started to go crazy. So okay, I did pretty good. well on this, which eased the sting of my non-993 purchase okay so you've had two you've had two m3s you're in the bmw world you know you go back to the time you spent in munich so you like the bmws is this when after this car is this when you start thinking okay i'm going to dip my toes in the porsche world is this what is this when it happens or does something else come along first yeah you know i i own this car for like i guess uh two years as well so i had had one for about four years didn't drive it a ton either. And the problem with that car as well was, you know, I, I knew I had something very rare to find a Phoenix yellow coupe manual with 20,000 yes. miles. It just doesn't really exist. No. 
And, and so, you know, because of that, I was again, reluctant to use it more and to, uh, you know, kind of delegitimize in my mind of a, a collectible future collectible type car. So yes. I thought, you know, it's, I've, I've had my fix of E46 M3. I love it. In fact, I approached my wife who's been very patient and supportive with me, you know, as I pursue this, this newfound passion, but I said, honey, I think, I think maybe we need to put a four post list in the garage because man, this may be a keeper, maybe a car I need to hang okay. on long-term. Well, that, that's a little bit where her patience, you know, with me ran out, frankly. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't that, keep that, it? That, no, I did not keep it. In fact, I put it back through bring a trailer, but at, at that point I knew that, okay, it's, it's time for my next experience. I need to find something I can drive more, use more than I'm using this car. So I put it back through bring a trailer um, about, yeah, a year and a half ago or, or so. Yeah. Can I ask you about that, Blair? Because, you know, I, I look at bring a trailer all the time, right? I'm, I'm looking at 912s. Sure. I'm looking at 911Ts. I'm always – but what is that process like to sell on bring a trailer? Is it a really easy process? Like is it a very – is it something you would recommend to other people listening? Like if they haven't listed, people in the U.S. who haven't listed on bring a trailer? I I was a little surprised actually up front that their their customer service wasn't a little bit more – dialed in it felt and you know and 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 their their technology feels a little bit archaic to me i mean i'm on there every day as well yeah and love it but you know just i I felt like i was flying a little bit blind and so you would you know it it was a little tough to get going up front actually right and i had some questions about photography and this and that and getting at least it wasn't that long ago a year and a half ago or so getting the questions all answered and whatever it, it took a little time. It was hard to get somebody on the phone. They wanted to do it all via email, actually. So. Right. Do, is, is that the hard part of it, though? Um, you know, the questions that people are asking you? Because some people are asking quite in-depth questions on there when they want to buy your car, right? You see the ones with Porsche, like, is that bolt the right bolt? It doesn't look like the right bolt. I mean, a lot of these things you wouldn't have any idea about, right? I know I wouldn't. It'd be like, well, I actually don't know. Um, sure. So how do you, that's the problem with bring a trailer. I think you've got to have so much information, don't you? You have to have so, you have so much knowledge about what you're selling. Yeah. I following bring a trailer for years before I sold my car on there and having owned two E46 M3s helped. I'm not a mechanic at all. I mean, yeah. that's, that that's understating it. I'm, I'm not <laughs> mechanical and you're like me. What I did know, what, what I did know, <laughs> yeah, what, what I, did know I, 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 I got to where I knew quite a bit about these cars, had bought two of them, had researched the heck out of them. Right. I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle of, you know, what goes into the E46 M3 discussion. And, and then I put in a lot of work, which it, it's, it is a lot of work to do it right. I got a PPI ahead of time. So I could just include that in, you know, in my listing, yep. I, I got, you know, hired a photographer, had excellent pictures taken of it. They were beautiful actually in fall right. with the leaves and, and, and that color of car. So, but even then you you, it's a long seven or nine days now, or whatever they're listed for. It, it's a long week because you do get these questions. There is a peanut gallery who has no interest yeah. to, to bid on the cars, but they want to be heard and they want to get thumbs up and they want to. So, and, and and to a large extent, it's great, and you know it, it helps 
buyers vet the cars, maybe those who aren't as, as educated about them. So I, I just knew exactly what I was getting into. I put in a lot of legwork. If I didn't know the answer, I did run to a couple of, you know, for some expert opinions and, but yeah, you've got to be prepared for a, an exhausting kind of <laughs> few weeks late, leading up two to weeks. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is. So yeah. And then, and then you're sitting on pins and needles to see <laughs> well, what in the world's going to happen. All right. So you sold that one. It was a, it was a keeper, but you decided to let it go. Um, keep, you got to keep the wife happy as we know. <laughs> so what happens then? You have some more cash. You start looking for yep. the, you start looking for a Porsche. So yeah, and I I I made I I sold that for nineteen thousand dollars more than I paid. Now Fantastic. granted, I had to pay a, a bring a trailer premium yeah. fee, which is very reasonable. I had to ship it, so I didn't you know with tax and everything that went into it, I I, I didn't profit all that, but I did pretty well on the car. That's so good. at that point, I do I have a little more flexibility. I'm getting closer to Porsche world, um, and, and and that ultimately was the goal. Now. However, I had a decision to make. So now I'm carless, you know, fun carless. Yes. And, and and there was one key, you know, kind of concept from owning both those cars, but especially a rare car like my second one is, I, I mean, that car kind of owned me, frankly. I knew it was special. I knew it was, you, you can't duplicate it. And I told myself, I'm not going to do that again. I can't, whatever I get, I want a car I can drive. Yes. I want a car I can enjoy. It felt like a complete waste, have, you know, the majority of the time to have it sitting there looking at it, which is, is kind of fun. But the fun to me is in the use of the, of the vehicle. So to be honest, Michael, everything was on the table at that point. I feared Porsche ownership would bring more of the same right. that I would you know, that, that I would be intimidated to use it and to put miles on it and repair it. And so I thought about everything, honestly, everything. So did you start looking? And I think that's a good point, Blair, you know, like, you know, you so we search out these cars. We're trying to search out the most perfect condition, low mileage examples of things we want. And like you said, you get it in your garage or you get it in your driveway. And then it's like, I don't want to put too many miles on it each year. I don't want to drive it in the snow. I don't want to drive it in the rain. You know, like so, it is a problem. So when you start searching for the for the first Porsche, do you do you start looking at? Do you put the search criteria as you know slightly higher mileage? You're not as fussed with what you find, or do you think? How do you go about that then? After having this experience with the BM, where you didn't really want to put too many miles on it, what do you start looking for? Yeah, well, you know, I I, I think uh, in terms of what would I like, you know, and I got to have some experiences of driving these cars. I, I really did like my uh, 997.1 Career S experience. Okay. Um, and in the meantime, a good buddy of mine had bought a 718 Cayman S. Okay. And brand new, he bought one in PDK, and then a year later he traded it for one that was manual. <laughs> and, and, and to his credit, he took this thing and started going to the track religiously. So... I, I actually joined him. I, my daily driver at one point, been through too many of those, but was a Honda Civic Type R, one of the new ones. Okay. Good one. You know, yeah. with the, 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 the boy racer wing on the yeah. back. My yeah. wife, my wife despised that car. She <laughs> thought I looked like a, a you know, a 20 year old uh, driving it with, and, and she refused to be seen in it. Okay. But it, it, it made for a great car that I could go to the track with my buddy. But 
So I started, you know, getting into the idea of tracking my car as well. And, and then I also had, he let me drive his car and I'll never forget. It was, it was truly the first, like, you know, it was my first time in a Cayman, but in a modern, you know, sports car, mid engine, I I was kind of blown away, frankly, you know, of, of, of what that car felt like. And so I, I start, everything's on the table. I was even thinking about just getting something cheap that I could take to the track and beat on and have zero concerns about it. Forget, you know, my, my aspirations just, you know, so, you know, at that point, I, you know, I, I also started to think, well, I want something that I could, I do think I would, I like the track and I would like to be able to buy something that ticks a lot of those boxes, including something that I would take out to the, the racetrack here. Okay. And, And so I see, yeah, is there Go a budget? Ahead. Is there a budget here? Because obviously you're looking at Porsche. People are saying, you know, GT3s, you know, things like that. Is there a yep, budget here, yep. or even, you know, even a, a Carrera and make it more of a track car? How do you? Sure. How, what are the criteria that you're looking at? You, if you got a set budget, you know what you want. Was it because yeah, you had that experience in the 718? You want that mid-engine experience? Yeah. So I I, I sold my BMW for fifty five thousand dollars. So I thought, okay. Oh, that's good. And again, I, I just keep dipping my toe a little more deeply into the water, so <laughs> to speak. And yeah. and and you know, this this getting myself out of my comfort zone financially yeah. to allow myself to do this. So you know, I, I drove a bunch of cars, Michael. I had all this criteria in my mind. I drove a bunch of cars, and to be honest, <laughs> I went and drove a nine eight one base Cayman. Okay. And it was very well specced. It was a black edition car. A local dealer had it, and and I uh, uh, of everything I drove, I recall not wanting to take that car back to the dealer. It was <laughs> I was in, the, the sound was intoxicating. The really small lightweight feel, you know, it, it was it was my more or less my buddy's car without a lot of torque yep. and with a lot more sound you know melodic just uh, engine and and exhaust noise so i remember thinking (coughs) well excuse me maybe all the 981 it just that car resonated with me so uh, of everything i drove but i it was a little underpowered for my for my taste the bass came in yes so i kind of started to think well maybe a, a 981s is it's the car I need to I need to decide somehow, and that ticks a lot of the boxes. Fun, enough, you know, kind of visceral feel. Porsche just does that better than anybody, even in modern cars where so many have lost that yep, in their modern 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 product. So, but also enough performance that I think I could have fun, you know, out at the track and not just get lapped constantly. But okay. also fairly reliable, and that's and that's one of the things that 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 was important to me if I was going to take it to the track. Yeah, and the nine eight one doesn't really have any major known issues, does it? Not that I can no. r- recall reading anywhere. No, there's no major issues. So, so what do no, you by do? All the, accounts, but, they're very reliable. And, yeah, and but what do you what do you do though, Blair? Because you want it for the track. Are you looking for one that's not <laughs> that's a little bit more not as well kept or you still want to get one that's in really well sorted condition so how do you start looking for that i was thinking more well sorted condition now when i say i want to go to the track i wasn't i didn't want to become a track junkie okay no i've got a family i've got a you know a budget 
Yeah. So very expensive hobby. So I saw myself going to the track two, three times a year. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, and that's when I added it all up, I loved my buddies came in. I loved the nine, eight, one base that I drove. The money really makes sense, you know, at that point. Um, and it's okay. modern, not, not any spooky maintenance issues or reliability concerns for something I'm going to go drive hard. Yeah, for sure. So tell the listeners what you found. Tell the listeners what, what the came was the year and, and any options and stuff. I found a 2014 uh, 981S. Um, <clears throat> I actually found it on Craigslist of all places. I, you know, when, when you start searching, you really just... I'm kind of one track minded. So I'm, yep. I'm searching Renlist. I'm on cars.com. I'm on auto trader. And about every other third day, I would look at Craigslist and all the major metropolitan areas in the Western half of the U S from Denver West. Right. So I got on Phoenix Craigslist, saw this car. It was black. The guy had uh, put some beautiful HRE wheels on it. Nice. Um, it had the only thing I really had to have, it had to be manual and it had to have Porsche sports exhaust um, and, and, and be an S. So that, and that's what I found. He, it was an option with PSE, but he actually bought the, the, the components from Suncoast, oh, right. had his local dealer retrofit it and program it at the button and it leather dash leather interior it was you know 14 way adjustable seats it was nice. awesome such that's, a great cars that's great i mean that's an expensive uh, aftermarket add-on to get that exhaust done by um by porsche too it's not cheap how did it feel though so you're getting in you're getting into your first porsche it's the first one it's a mm-hmm. 981s how did that feel compared to the bms that you've owned previously well i flew down there the guy picked me up from the airport he also made it so easy. I didn't get a PPI on this car because <laughs> okay. I, I, I talked to him at length. You know, I always right. kind of go with my gut. I'm buying the seller as much as anything. And he, he made me very comfortable with his car history and, and, and the way he spoke of his car and how he maintained the thing. So he picked me up from the airport and yeah, it was just everything I wanted. I mean, the, the Caymans are so small mm. that this is, this is not my daily driver. This is something that's supposed to be, you know, fun. I'll use it a little during the week, on the weekends. And, you know, it was immediately just, I knew it was exactly, at the time, exactly what I wanted. Fantastic. You know, they just feel, they, there's so much more feel, engagement, you know, to the way Porsches drive and, and, and the Cayman for me in, in particular. And, and they just, with PSE on the 981s, they just sound spectacular they they really sing and it's awesome yeah and people that have people who have caimans or have boxsters they always talk about the sound inside the cabin how the sound is just so much better because of that mid-engine and the induction noise and the sound that you're getting in the cabin is always a, a lot almost in some ways louder than in a 911 it's got some kind of a different feel in there um, I've only been in a really, really old Boxster and I can hardly remember it. So you've got this 981S. Do you, do you, so do you do the track thing? Do you decide that that's what you're going to do or you decide once you've got it, it's too good, I'm not going to take it to the track? No, I was committed. <laughs> my, 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 my second M3 experience really convinced me that if, if I'm not going to use it and enjoy it, I'm not going to own it. So, okay. I, you know, I drove it home, scheduled the track day and went out with Porsche club of America and one of their local, they do, they rent the local track 
three times a year or so. Right. And yeah, I, I took that thing out twice. I would use it occasionally for, you know, during the week, weekends, all the, all the stuff we do, but yeah, I tracked it. Fantastic. So is that, okay. So is that the deciding factor then Blair? Is that what happens? You're tracking this car. It's a great car, but then you realize I need just that little bit more because I'm getting (laughs) into these track days, right? We know how it all works. You didn't want the base. You wanted the S. The S has got more power and it's like, "Mm, do I need just that little bit more? Is that how the next car came about? Absolutely. I, I, you know, when you, when you have something that you think this is fantastic, I love it, but I know there's more and, and all it takes is a little bit of money to get there. (laughs) Well, we're going up the ladder, aren't we? We're getting, we're, we're getting up the the, the cost ladder here quite quickly. So tell the listeners what happened next. How did you, how did you get out of the, 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 the 14 981S and go into your next car, which is very special? So my wife said to me, I've, I actually just turned 40 this year. My, my wife said to me, okay, you're turning 40 in October. This was probably back in June or May or something. And I, I, and I had owned the, the 981S for about six months. And she said, well, you're turning 40. Where do you want to go for your 40th? And, you know, we, I, I always use the expression with our wives, you know, you got to boil that frog very slowly. So catch them <laughs> in the right moment, you know, re- really you know, kind of ease them into this idea. And I said, you know what, honey, maybe I don't want to go anywhere. Maybe I want to get something. And okay. she said, okay, w- what is it? And again, this was seven, six months after I flew to Phoenix, got the, my first Porsche. I loved the car. She knew I loved it. And she said, okay, what is it? And she said, well, if that's really what you want to do. So, you know, there were too many GT4s out at the track to, you know, just not take notice and yes. you know and just more of you know the the dream car for i think many of us is is a gt3 and you know that the funny thing about this michael is my wife used to ask when we were broke i was in college trying to get our lives set up she used to always say what do you want for your birthday and <clears throat> and and i honestly i could never come up with anything she's like oh come on just think of what you could buy or what I could get you that would make you happy. There has to be something. And my answer to her was, okay, I want a Porsche. And, you know, and she would roll her eyes. I'm like, that's the only thing I could think of that would like, you know, and, and so, you know, and, and I always, you know, GT3, just as I started to learn about what I value in a car in an experience for a fun sports car, it became very clear that the GT3 is just, you know, everything. And, so, <laughs> so for your 40th, you say I want a Porsche and, you, and it actually comes true. You actually get one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and of course, I didn't wait till my 40th. She, she didn't, she didn't, you know, yell at me. Right. So what, what I assume that was the green light and all the green light I needed. So I, I at that point, I started to search and said, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to buy a, a GT4. And so, so that at that point I, I was looking 718s were were out available yep. and i and i started to think about do i do i just get the 981 gt4 or do i go to try to find a, an allocation for a 718 buy one very minorly kind of pre-owned yep. and, and and so you know i thought long and hard about it and did a lot of research on the cars and you know and and ultimately 
I said, you know, I, I'm going to stick with the 981. I, I love this. I love my car. I just want more. So I, I, I was again, searching all my, uh, exhausting all my search engines and, and, and options to find one. And a local car popped up on Renlist here in Salt Lake. Right. And it was a white, it was a white GT4. And, you know, I, I honestly, I, what I wanted in a, in a GT4 was I decided I want leather interior, okay. uh, the, the dash that, that was really important to me. I, I've, I was kind of undecided, frankly, about carbon buckets, uh, carbon ceramic brakes. I, you know, I just wasn't exactly sure. I was waiting for the right car to come up and, and speak to me. So but one thing I know I wanted, knew I wanted was the, was the leather dash. And frankly, I wanted the car ideally in a fun color. Right. I, but did you want manual or PDK? Because you're taking it to the I, track. Did you want manual or PDK? Because some people would go I, PDK. Absolutely manual. Okay. You know, that, 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 was, that was non-negotiable. You know, I, I love rowing my own gears. I love to, you know, when I bought my first E46 M3, I had a friend who, show me how to rev match. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to master this thing. And, you know, to me, it's such, so heel and toe and rev matching and all that, that is, as Jason Camisa calls it, it's the dance, you know, it's It's three pedals. No, it's, it's not. I daily drove a GTI at the time manual. So I practiced it into every corner anytime I was. So, you know, it's just, that's a non-negotiable for me. So, I found a white one came up here in Salt Lake. And while I did not want white, it was priced pretty well. It was optioned really well. And I bought the thing. So what other options did it have, Blair? So it did have uh, carbon bucket seats. It also had the PCCBs. Um, It had uh, leather interior. It had carbon trim. Um, You know, I think the the stitching was, was... silver or wow. platinum so gray it's highly, or something highly optioned highly oh yeah optioned. It, it was it was optioned really well and you got it at a good price it was okay for a 981 yeah yeah it, it was a fantastic price actually and so i you know i bought it thinking i really don't want a white car just something about you know that that phoenix yellow on my m3 just resonated with me so much and i had the black 981s so i wanted to get back to a fun color but i took the deal you know over getting exactly what i wanted okay and it was too easy it was right here in salt lake so did you do a did you do a ppi on this one because you're spending a bit more money don't ask me that question you didn't do a ppi (laughs) no this this was a uh, cpo car okay um that makes sense so it was still yeah it was still covered you know on cpo yeah yeah um i don't i can't remember how much time was left on that cpo i think another year what year was it blair sorry what was the year of the gt4 the white one well in the, in the states that we just got 2016s i think the 15s might have been in europe if i'm not mistaken but okay so yeah just 2016 i mean the white is a very popular color in that gt4 though that that 2016 model i mean i know in australia in the uk i see a lot of white ones more than probably anything else it always surprises me how many people didn't spec the lightweight buckets, though. You see a lot come up for sale in Australia where it's just the normal, um, the normal sports seats, not the lightweight buckets. Did you enjoy the lightweight buckets? Was it? What, I know you said you didn't really want them, but when you're on the track with them, they must have been they must have been better, right? Well, so I bought the car thinking I'm just I don't really want white. 
I'm gonna put a wrap. I'm gonna wrap this car okay. and choose a fun color. I'm you know I'll 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 do a Miami blue or I'll do a you know a green British racing green of some kind. I'll yep. I'll, I'll do something. In, but but the more and more I looked into it, the more I saw cars that have, that were wrapped. Fr- frankly, I just couldn't do it. And then I you know so I I was really starting to have doubts that this was the right car. I right. loved everything about it except it didn't feel like my car. And, and, and furthermore, as you recall, you know, I've, I've been dealing with back problems ever since. Yeah. And you've got the worst and seats for those. Yeah. I, I've got the worst seats. I'm fairly tall as well. And so we, 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 a group of us went on a great ride up the mountains and it was, you know, the longest ride I did in that car. Right. And we got to the top of this mountain pass and I got out, my ribs hurt and I was, <sighs> I was thinking, man, this, this is so, you know, it's, it's not, I, I eventually then sold the car after six weeks of ownership. I Six weeks. But it was, Hang on. Let, let's just go back for a second. So what year did you buy the GT4? The white one? I've just, I just bought it earlier this year. So earlier this year and you, okay. So was it, but the deciding factor Blair isn't just the color, right? It must be the seats are the deciding factor as well, right? It's a couple of things. It's not just because it's a white car. <laughs> It's just because it was a white car. Really? You hated it that much? I, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, right. You know, and, and, and when you look at it and it, it finally, you know, it's just something that I, I really felt strongly about, you know, and it just didn't. I think it's a beautiful car. I see a white Porsche and I think they're beautiful. For me, I, I just I couldn't do it. And I thought if I'm going to spend this kind of money, I really should go get exactly what it is I want. And Okay. So it was just the color. And frankly, yeah, so, well, the, the lightweight buckets came up again later in my yeah. story. But so it's a CPO car. It's, it's got warranty. You know, you, you've just bought it. How do you go about selling it? Do you go to a Porsche dealer? Do you try to sell it privately? Do you find a Porsche dealer that has the right color GT4 that comes up that you can do a trade? How does it all work out? Well, I had um, another little interesting tidbit in the story. So my, my buddy who got me you know, into this idea of a Cayman because I'd driven his 718s. He went, he decided, he drove my 981S. We went up to the ski resort, middle of the summer, great drive up the mountains, came back. And I said, you know what? Let's switch on the way down. So he drove my car and we got, and we actually drove down to Cars and Coffee here in Salt Lake. And he got out and he said, you know what? You kind of ruined it for me. You know, the, the sound. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and up, up the canyon we were at, you know lots of rock formations on each side of the road and that thing just echoed the pse that i mean it, it it's such a thrill you know the sound of that car so he decided he was gonna be done with the 718 okay so he took it to the, one of the two local porsche dealers and they gave him a pretty good number for his car so he sold it to him right and and then i thought well I, I said, you know what? You ought to buy my 981S. And he said, well, actually, I would totally buy it. If you're going to sell it and buy a GT4, I'll buy it. So I sold the car to him okay. and bought this GT4. But he gave me the idea that Porsche was making pretty good offers on these cars. So I took it to the same Porsche dealer, the white car. Yes. We worked out a deal, and I just sold it to him. Okay. So you... So you sell it to them. You haven't found a new GT4 yet, though. You're still you're still looking. So you've got the cash, and then you get back onto the onto online, start searching. 
How long did it take you, Blair, before you found the right one? It took me about a month. And, you know, at that point, you know, once, once you're back cash in hand, no car, you really start. And, and again, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I start exhausting all my options and, yeah. and you know, and perseverating over the, the variety of choice, especially when you get into that, you know, price range, there's a lot of different options, you know, to pursue. So, so, you know, I, 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 uh, I started to think, well, I'm kind of tall. There was that thing, that car was not comfortable. Maybe I should go with a, a nine eleven of some sort. Just give myself a little more room in the car. <clears throat> but old, long story short, I just decided, no, I loved that car, but I'm going to go search for the car that I want and I'm going to buy it with 18 way seats. So now that became one of my main priorities was okay. I didn't want the four way. I wanted the 18 way seats in a, handful of colors that were you know acceptable to me took me about a month and those those colors you know i was thinking guards red carmine red speed yellow sapphire blue um and i was uh negotiating on a car in new mexico actually guards red car and then i uh i saw one that came up in san francisco on again i'm searching every website out there you know more than i care to admit yeah you know one one track minded <laughs> trying to find this thing and now i'm without a car and i, w- I was are you looking blair sorry are you looking for the same sure. year you're looking for a 2016 you're looking for the same year right there's just the one year yeah and i and again i the 718 gt4 cre- crept back into my yeah. mind i could go just option it the exact way i want it but you know I, again the 981 just it kept coming back. You know, one, one thing I love is the sound of the car. It, I, I, I've yet to GT three aside, I've yet to drive a car that I think sounds more pleasing to me. It's very subjective. Um, and, and you know, and, th- and that's why I decided against the seven eighteen. frankly. And I heard, okay. you know, in my research, the nine eight one was a little more raw and sounds great. So I just, I stuck to that and, yeah, I, fa- I found this car. I was w- one evening a guy in in San Francisco on Car Gurus. I think it's just another site here. Yep, I know that one. And he had crappy pictures of the car. He had like four pictures right outside of a storage unit where he kept the car. Resolution was not great. It was not, but I, it it was. Um, but but I, I called him immediately, and I thought this is the car I need to I need to buy this thing. But Blair, those sort of people that advertise like that are the people that don't really want to sell their car, right? They're the ones that always <laughs> take the bad photos. And usually, when you go and look at it, most of the times you get pleasantly surprised. Were you surprised when you did you go and look at this car? Were you surprised with the with the with the um, condition? Well, speaking of not really wanting to sell it, I I texted or called the guy right away. It was an older gentleman, very nice. But, you know, he, he was very, to his credit, very traditional, I think, in the way he wanted to transact. Right. He immediately told me, I'm already discussing it with somebody else. Okay. So I'll let you know if it, you know, if it falls through. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I want this car. <laughs> so I, I was, you know, p- polite, but persistent to say, well, do you have a deposit on the car? You know, because... Until you have a deposit on the car, you know, anything can happen. And I, yeah. I know what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. 
I'll, I'll get on a plane. So, uh, you know, he, he put me off that evening. Well, then he, uh, he texted me late. So it was afternoon. I texted him. He, he finally texted me late that evening. And I think he reconsidered and said, well, the guy I was dealing with is, is kind of flaking a little bit. He's gone quiet on me. So we talked late in that evening, but he was in no hurry to sell this car to me. He was, he said, well, think it over and you know, this and that. I'm like, no, I, I want the car. <laughs> yeah. we, we've talked about it. This is, this is what I want. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, we, we, he told me all about the car. Once again, I bought the seller. It, it was not CPO, but it had an extended protection plan through Porsche on it. Right. That he paid, that he paid for. And but solid, so, yeah. solid service history, though. Solid service history. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, he didn't drive it a lot. And, you know, but he, he, just the way he described the PPF and, you know, the, 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 the blemishes the car had, he, okay. he made it sound like it was an awful job or this or that. And then when I got, got down there, I saw the condition it was in. I thought, oh, man, that's it. Tell this tell the listeners tell the listeners what you found, Blair. Tell them exactly what you found in the year and and, and all the options and and what those blemishes sure. were. So I found another 2016 uh, 981 GT4. It was most importantly, it was sapphire blue. Nice color. Um, also very important to me. It had the 18 way <clears throat> sport seats. Um, carbon ceramic brakes. It did, does have PCCBs. Full leather interior. Um, yeah, sport chrono, it's got the, the bi-xenon lights, um, you know, the PCM module, I mean, uh, and wheels and satin black. Wow. Um, nice. Nice. It, the well the dollar amount. Yeah. The dollar amount of the, the MSRP was within a thousand dollars of the white one that I had. Yeah, I was going to say it's very highly spec and, and also ceramics as well. I'm surprised how many people spec ceramics on the GT4s because I've seen a lot with steel, but... I guess it is a you know it is a special car. So what were the yeah. blemish? What were the blemishes? Then he he was telling you about, and when you went to see it, it wasn't that bad. Well, yeah. So he was telling me the PPF, full front end PPF, you know, and the and the, the mirror caps and the you know the intake covers on the side, and he he told me that yeah, it might need new PPF because there's a little bit of you know it's 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 peeling a little bit. And basically when I got there and saw the car, he pulled it out of, he picked me up from the San Francisco airport. Right. So I'm on another, another plane, you know, to, to get, get a car. He pulls it out of the storage unit and he starts showing me, I mean, that, that there was, is one minor like rock chip, just this minor defect on the PPF on the front hood, but very minor. And then he showed me basically the front fascia where the, the lip comes up into the, you know, the intake grates. Yes. Just slightly. You can see that there's a couple millimeters of PPF and about a, a one inch, one to two inch width. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking such a small little, I wouldn't even noticed it. I wouldn't have. So, so frankly, the, the car is just perfect. Spectacular, nearly perfect. Had uh, eleven thousand miles or eleven wow, seven. So very low. Was he the original owner, Blair? No, he was not. It, uh, started its life down in in Texas, actually. Oh right. And I think he was the the second owner and <clears throat> had it for a few years and hardly drove it. Wow. So 
it's in storage. So what do you do then? Do you do the deal on the spot? It's it's the deal is done. Yeah. So I I look at it. He said, well, we can go for a drive. And frankly, at this point, I knew this guy was the real deal. Just like I assumed on the phone and, you know, I'm begging him to sell me his car. Yep. And so he said, well, we, I said, yeah, we probably should take it for a drive, but frankly, I'm buying this car no matter what. And so, yeah, we drove it and took a little while and uh, just went to the bank, transacted. And eventually I got in the car and had 10 hours to, to drive it from San Francisco back to Salt Lake. Okay. So you drive it, you drove it all the way home. So you got to experience it straight away. Yeah, I, I certainly did. I, I did not, you know, from, from that first drive in my E46 M3 over the mountain passes from Denver to, yeah. to, to Salt Lake where I was half thoroughly enjoying myself and half terrified, something, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the Vanos was going to start ticking or something. I mean, I, I just let this thing rip and had, you know, the drive of my life. And frankly, as soon as I saw the car, I thought, yes, this is no question about it. This is what I want. This is, this is a a keeper for now. Uh, uh, Without disclosing values, how was the price of this one to the white one? Was it about the same price or was the white one, which one cost you more? uh, This blue one cost me about 5,000 more. Cost more. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you got it back home, you drive it back home, you get it back to Salt Lake, you haven't done a PPI, you know, the guy's got a solid service history on the car. Do you then decide maybe I should take it to my Porsche specialist or the Porsche dealer and just get it looked over and get a service done? <clears throat> what do you do bef- before you take it to the track and before you start driving it even harder? Honestly, I, I mean, I'm my plan is to do the, uh, the four-year service on the car, the spark plugs. And, you know, I think it's four year, 30,000 or what, what, whatever it is, you know, it's, yep. it only has still has like around 14,000 miles on it. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to go have the, the spark plug four year service done on it. And I had just driven it 10 hours and, you know, immediately, you know, took it up the Canyon and had a great, so honestly, I'm like, this, this thing is just, I have zero concerns about it. Brand new cup two tires. Nice. Um, in fact, it was one of the things that, you know, reassured me as well. He said he had just put brand new cup twos on the car and he said that they were the original tires and, and they weren't, they weren't worn out. He was just advised by his local, you know, uh, independent Porsche shop to replace them on account of age, not on account of wear and tear. So he said, this car hasn't even been driven hard enough to go through a set of cup twos in five years. So uh, he put them on brand spanking new. And so I've, I have done nothing yet uh, other than, you know, a plan to go have that service done. And I scheduled the track day and I've since had it out there twice, you know, this fall. How was it? (laughs) How was it in in the comfortable seats as well? The comfortable well, seats. And, and, and honestly, that I know it's a, it's maybe bla- it's blasphemous to some, but I am such a believer. For me, if I'm back back to that mantra that I'm going to enjoy my car, yeah. part of that is I got to want to be in the thing. So um, <clears throat> the carbon buckets are so cool, but yeah, I, lo- I love the 18 way seats. So comfortable. I'm very happy with those. And frankly, 
And they're yeah, sports you, you seats look- anyway, aren't they, Blair? They're still sports seats. They've still got quite a lot of lumbar support. They've, they've got the bolsters and they, they still grip you in. So they're not like just a, you know, a normal car seat. You know, we, we talk about these sports seats like they're, they're something boring. They're not boring. They're a really good seat. It's because they get the nickname sofa, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. exactly. And, and, you know, and the thigh bolsters and the lumbar, you know, the side bolsters, yeah. they can all be adjustable and, and brought in and, and, you know, they squeeze you fairly well. They are not the, the, the LWBs, but they, and they're not, they, don't, they make the car feel admittedly a little less special when you, you get mm. in the car. But I do like, um, I, I'm a bit like you. I like, I mean, I like the low-weight buckets. In Steve's GT3, I mean, they're fantastic. But I also like having, you know, my seats are what, six-way or seven-way, my 997 or whatever they are. But I like having that adjustment, you know, where you can jet it, get it just right. The lumbar, the front of the seat, you know, everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can actually get yourself in a really, in your driving position, in the position you want to be in, you know, not the one that's yeah. fixed for you. So I think that side of it is, is quite good. Yeah, and I and I bought the car for me, you know, and yeah. that's that's a little different shift too. I've, I've I've often too often thought about resale value and what what are people going to want, and and that's there's got to be somebody else who's eventually if if and when I get to the point where I move on from the car, somebody else is going to have a bad back who wants to be comfortable in one <laughs> of these things, and so so but but that's that's secondary. So yeah, the car felt amazing. Um, it, you know, the buckets would be great on track, but these, these did not deter me at all. And, you know, the, the, the car is just, it's just fantastic. You know, it's, That's it's, it, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, with, with, I mean, look, you know, you, you had the white one for a small amount of time, but it wasn't right. I mean, it makes sense. You know, I, I mean, to me, it still makes sense what you've done. You know what I mean? You weren't happy with it. It didn't feel right. Now you've got the one that feels right. It's in the perfect spec. You still love the car. You love the 981 GT4. Um, you know, it's it's a slippery slope, though. I still think you're on the way to a GT3. It seems like you're going to be the next the next one up is going to be a GT3 for sure. Um, so that'll be a that'll be a good story. Well, you know that that's a that's a debate and discussion I've had many times with myself and a few others. And frankly. S- Steve's car, you've talked about it many times, even for yourself. The 997 GT3 was one of those cars. I loved the 997 when I drove them. Yeah. I drove 996s and I've driven 991s. The 997 also resonated with me. And if I didn't care about tracking, I, I worried the 997 GT3 would own me a little bit, frankly. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would take it and immediately go out and just hammer on the thing you know on the track and like like i would a little more modern car the 981 gt4 is not collectible they it, it, at least you know not yet but it's still holds its it, value though it's a very good car for value it's it's not going down that's for sure no I, I i don't i don't think so and you know one of the things i love about the car is you know i i became convinced that the cayman for me is a great it's a great fun car, you know, given yep. the size and mid engine and just the experience of chucking that thing around. And, but then you add in some of those, uh, GT three, the nine, nine, one GT three components. This is front suspension, the steering rack, the, you know, the brakes it's it, what you don't get is the maniacal engine that comes, you know, with, with the GT three. But yep. so I guess, frankly, I, I I'm, I'm, uh, I do think at some point in my life, it'll be hard to, to say I'm not going to own a GT3, but 
gosh, I love this car <laughs> so much. And it starts to feel like a real bargain compared to a 991.2 manual GT3 or even a 997. They're, Absolutely. they're getting crazy. So yeah. it's, it's hard for me to, to foresee that. And, and frankly, I, yeah, it, it just feels so great to drive. So how do you feel on the track though? You have a lot of confidence. It gives you a lot of confidence, the, the GT4. If someone's listening and thinking, well, I've been, I've been sitting on the fence wanting a GT4, wanting a GT3 and then tossing up, should I get a GT4? What, what's it like on the track? Yeah, it's, it, it's very confidence inspiring. It, um, you know, just, it is so planted, so balanced, you know, that, that mid engine, you know, 911s are so fun. I've driven, I've driven them. There is something about the mid engine that rotates differently. And I felt it in my S I, I felt so comfortable out on track and was reasonably quick, you know, in the, in the S that this just has such a different level of stiffness and, and, and feel frankly. And it's, you know, adding 60 horsepower from the S is, is good. But the, um, but the, but the magic of this car really is in the steering in, in the front suspension and it's the brakes, the whole package. Yeah. I, I think there's a reason nine, eight ones, at least at my local PCA day, you know, the, the nine, eight one GT four, well, GT fours in general yeah. are, are truly the, the, the most popular cars out there. And, and, you know, if you want a GT Three, but you get a GT4 for half the money, if you will. You have a lot of money left over for exactly cu- cup twos, exactly, and you know brake yeah. pads. Hopefully, never brake rotors, but you know just consumables. It's what's the life on the on the ceramics, though? You think what is the general well, life I, on those? Well, I've got a buddy who uh, he's a he's a uh, mechanical engineer and is has taught automotive engineering. He owns a seven eighteen. Right. GT4 with PCCBs and he tracks it a lot, you know, where, where I did four track events this year, just amateur track stuff. You know, he, I would go for one day of the weekend. He would go for two, three days of each of those weekends. So, right. and he's convinced that, you know, that they're going to last a long time, if not the life of the car. All right. um, That's good. I, I don't know. That's a, you know, that it, it is a spooky one in the world of Porsche, frankly, but, um, most people are, are of the opinion they, they'll last a long time. Well, that's good. That's good. So Blair, what else? Are you going to do anything to the GT4? Are you planning? Everyone likes to know about mods and, and upgrades and things like that. Are you doing anything or is it perfect just the way it is? Well, well the Seems big knock on perfect. the GT4, the, the knock on them is the tall gear, you know, and I, yep. and, and, uh, the, the only, the only mod that I could, understand why anybody would do to this car frankly is i mean if you want to re-gear and you know pay to have that done i mean more power to you frankly I, that that's money i would never spend on this car it's um you, you know i have strong feelings about the the tall gearing i think yes it, it would be great to have them a little shorter just get up into that top third of the the, the rev range a little more often and right but you know the thing sounds and comes alive at 3,500, 4,000 RPM. So it's, it's really around town. I don't need to take it to 7,800 every time I, you know, so at, at five, 6,000 RPMs, the car is exciting, you know, to, to, so, and at that point it's geared, you know, second gear is 60 miles an hour at 6,000 RPMs or something. And and you're getting lots of sound, 
lots of, you know, thrill to me. So to, to answer your question, that's the only thing I can kind of see, you know, p- people's gripe about the car, but I have zero plans to, to mess with this thing. That's good to know. That gearing, that gearing change, that's done by Sharkworks, isn't it? Is that Sharkworks? Yeah, I think they uh, they do it. I know, uh, but it's a lot, right? If, Isn't it like twenty grand or something? Isn't it a, like a lot I, of money? I think it's, I think it's, yeah, thirty it's, grand. That's so, crazy. Something to Too that. much. Too much. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I drove a nine sixty four RS this this summer. I had a, okay. a friend's a friend's brother who had one. I couldn't believe how tall the gears were, you know, and right, and and, and I think well that there's a lot of. I don't know the, the, the gear ratios for all the Porsches going back, you know, and, yeah. but I've driven a couple of 964 is very tall. I don't, I don't hear anybody complaining, complaining about, about it. those. Good point. Yeah. Good point. And, and, and they, they was very, very tall, frankly. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I just, I don't need to take it to 7,800 RPMs. And when you're on the track, you know, my, my, we have a big track out here in Salt Lake area and spend a lot of time in third and fourth gear. And Frankly, it just it just doesn't bother me. Fantastic. That's good to know because I know that always comes up in all the podcasts I listen to as well. I know it's always one on smoking tire and all those. They're always talking about the tall gearing and the, the gearing of the Cayman and the GT4. So it's good to know that it's not that big an issue. Um, Blair, we're almost at the end of the podcast. Let's let's have two more things before we before we finish off. The first thing is um, sure. favorite drives. Uh, Salt Lake City. You've got the great mountains there. You've got great roads. Um, you just showed me the weather outside your window, and here I am complaining. <laughs> here I am complaining in Sydney with a bit of rain, and I just saw your snow. So I got nothing to complain about. How many months of the year do you get to drive? And and what are those roads that if someone's coming to Salt Lake, someone's coming to Utah, that you would say definitely take your car, take your 911, your Cayman, your GT4 on those roads? Yeah, well, there are a couple of months a year that are that are tough. You know, some winters we don't get a lot of snow. Um, we hope this year is, it's going to be the exception, you know, and there, there's plenty of snow. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to plan, from, you know, December to March 1st. I mean, I only will get it out maybe every three or four weeks is how I was with the M3s and just, just to, you know, run the fluids through it, yep. bring it to temperature to, re- you know, bring it, uh, you know, to red line just, and then put it back away on dry days. So, but come March, honestly, it's we've got from March until I, I just drove my car commuted in it to work just a week ago or something, you know? So it's, so we have a pretty good driving season. I'd say there's nine good months of, uh, of driving for the most part. And as far as roads, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of canyons up here in the Wasatch mountains. Um, you know, we have to share the road with bikers. So, you know, it's Saturday, Sundays, they're busy. So you have to go, we like to go really early. If you can go during the week, you get clear roads. There's, you know, pick a canyon basically, but East Canyon's a, it's a great twisty road. Uh, you know, one of our favorites, the one that caused me to rethink the carbon bucket seats was, uh, it's Wolf Creek pass up here. Um, you, you start up in Heber, which is just South of park city, um, you know, on the backside of the mountains. And then there's a beautiful pass, you know, up in that area as well. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. You can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't go wrong. You can, uh, if anyone's coming to Salt Lake, 
head up one of the canyons, you know, search some of the roads, go drive uh, Wolf Creek Highway, Wolf Creek Pass. Um, <clears throat> there's central Utah, some some phenomenal roads. I'm trying to to think of this one <laughs> road that is is just spect- spectacular, but they're easy to find online, you know, in addition to just some of those that I mentioned. Fantastic. Sounds like you're in a good spot. Good spot for the GT4. If you're not on the track, you've got some good roads there. So that sounds uh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, and I love to do those. And I don't want to go to the track more than a few days a week or a few yeah. days a year. Some light duty to improve my skill and really enjoy the car for what it can do. And but but I like to use yeah. it locally up the canyon, that kind of stuff. And as we know, it's not always about driving flat out. It's about those technical roads, those twisty roads, and just enjoying the flow of the car, right? Enjoying the engineering of the car and the power and just the sound and all of that. So that's what we all, that's what we all love as Porsche enthusiasts. We really do love that, that side of the, of the brand. There's nothing like it, is yeah, there? You nothing know, you, like it. Yeah, exactly. You, uh, you, you row your own gears and a, a great responsive motor and it's yep. just that sings i i really do love it yeah i'm the same i went for a quick drive on on sunday well not a quick drive a couple of hours outside of sydney here and you know my car now because i've had the transmission mounts done and i've had the uh, engine mounts done and everything sorted the car just feels it just feels amazing and you know my car's not super powerful it's just a carrera but it's just the it's that sound you know it's the feel of it and the weight transfer and everything about it it's just um it's just something you, that everyone needs to experience don't you think blair yeah, I do. And, 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 you know, to your car, I've driven a base 997 and I, I, I know the great debate of s- slow car fast, not that your car, my car is slow, Yeah. but relative to what Porsche does and with turbocharging and now electric, you know, our cars are quote unquote slow, you know, yeah. in the, in the grand scheme. But frankly, I, I just, cars are getting too fast. I want to be able to ring my car out a little bit and I want I like having to work for it and let that. I love the naturally aspirated yeah. motors, the way these flat sixes sing, and you know, really having to stay up above four thousand RPMs to get the most out of it. Yeah. And when you do that, it's, gosh, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't know how you beat it, frankly. Nothing better. Nothing better. Blair, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to to share with the listeners? We're going to keep it to. We've gone a little bit over time, but that's okay. Um, before we go, anything else you want to share with the, the listeners about your Porsche journey? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, P- Porsches are all they're cracked up to be, you know, but, but I, I think I just encourage everybody like, like I did. Make sure if you are going to buy one, buy one that you're going to use, that you're going to enjoy. You know, it's, that, that's, that's what they're meant to do. You know, I think, I see these cars that come across and, and granted I've only only owned my car four months and I put, you know, 2,500 miles on it in the four months. And I'm, and I'm going to, you know, I plan four or 5,000 miles a year, I think is, is what I'm expecting this. So I'm not racking up big miles or daily driving this thing, but you know, to, to get out and enjoy that's, that's my goal. That's, you know, to stop thinking about the next, the next guy or gal and resale values and, yeah, you know, we're, we're not, none of us are promised any, any time, you know? So I, I, I don't know why we're, we're perpetually trying to, you know, save it for the next person. And I get it. I think in the back of many of our minds that, you know, m- money's an object for most people, you know, and, and you think about 
you know, having to contain repairs and, and costs and things like that. And I, I completely, you know, get that, but, but there has to be a balance, uh, you know, and, and as I continue to find that more and more, it's, it's just more and more rewarding, frankly. Yeah. It's like buy what you can afford, but also buy what you need. You know what I mean? What you, what you want to, what you need. And like you said, there's no point holding onto it. You may as well drive it. Um, I think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the, the, the Porsche lineup, sorry to, to interject there, but th- there's, there's kind of something for everybody. I've, I've driven, Absolutely. you know, you know, the nine, eight, six boxsters, um, you know, I've, I, I didn't drive, but I've driven a GT three RS. I've ridden in a, a, a nine eighteen spider. It's that there, there is something old, new, relatively affordable, unobtainable, you know, or, or more exotic and, and, price that way and so i you know i find drive as many of these you can find one that resonates with you i i have no regrets about what i've got and frankly i i i'd be hard pressed to trade it right now for anything you know and it's about tool for the job what do you want the car to do if it's i I would own an air-cooled car if i didn't care about going to the track you know and having a little more modern performance and reliability and yeah but so, so it's the, the, there's there's a right car for everybody depending on how you want to use it and what, what your budget is well said and you've got a great porsche you really do i mean the gd4 is a great car it really is a great car oh, thank you blair thank you. thank you so much thanks for being on owner stories I, I i really think everyone's going to enjoy your story today i mean it's uh i like how you've you've gone through the nine you know the 981s you had the s you had that first GT4. You kept it only for a short while, but it, it makes sense. It actually does make sense. It's not. It's not that crazy, really. And now you're in the sapphire blue, perfect spec. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You're welcome, Michael. Yeah, th- thank you. And I'll be excited to watch as you continue to grow and expand what you're doing. So thanks. Thank you, Blair. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Blair coming in from Salt Lake City, Utah, in the U.S. Um, with his. 2016 981 GT4 in the best color, sapphire blue, uh, with black wheels, right, Blair? Black. Platinum or black? Sat- satin black, yeah. Satin black, even better. Satin black, not the gloss black. Um, perfect spec, ceramic brakes, um, all that you need. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>